When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well met, fellow adventurers. Now we are in Blade Square in Twithick. And we are ready to embark on the adventure. Heir to the flame. I come seeking your help. Says the elderly man seated across from you. Its thin face only doth visible through the gloom that fills the interior of the coat. My name is Orlandir Brailwood, and I seek to restore my life to the stewardship of Fogbar. Begins. Late afternoon, four days ago, on a broad on a road north and west of Twithick, known as Scamper Alley. Hmm. I always imagine alleys to be inside a city, not north and west of the city, but maybe that's just, just a nickname. Isai released her tight grip on her left arm and stared down at the seeping gas across, across the limb just above the elbow. She winced and again clapped her hand over her wound. The mark was the result of a split second of indecision. A moment where a companion's scream had driven a lifetime instinct and two decades worth of battlefield experience from her mind. She sincerely hoped it wasn't a sign she was losing her edge. She turned her gaze northward. Turning her gaze northward, she stared along the wide, well-travelled forest road. At the edge of the lane, fifty yards distant, sat the first wagon. In front of it, next to the team of four, and drawn its bulk since Mixville, stood the three men with whom she willingly st- shared this venture. Her cohorts, men, men she had long considered her brothers, had each escaped the ambush with barely a scratch that was certain to inspire an unwelcome bout of teasing. Her eyes darted to the left of the wagon, where tall grasses grew up at the edge of the road. There, severely battered, and seated in the midst of thick, of thick undergrowth, five main highwaymen, she had taken a lie. Despite the enemy's unwillingness to Sariva, she or her companions any quarter, Zayla deeply regretted that three of them had been killed. These bandits were desperate men, ill-equipped to engage trained fighters, men who may likely have had wives and children dependent upon their perilous enterprise. And it's all gotten gains. Zayla looked south. Only a few paces from where she sat stood stood a rugged coach. Ignoring the dull ache that ran through her upper arm she st- and stabbed into her shoulder, she rose and made her way to the side hatch. She pulled open the door and peered into the compartment's shadowy interior. The thin, stern face of an elderly man the full, strikingly beautiful, wide-eyed countenance of a young woman stared back at her out of the gloom. 
It's over, she said. I dare say you're now glad you didn't choose to haggle over the fee. Please continue. The elderly man, his lips pursed, expression solely contorted into a frightful scowl, turned and whispered something to the young woman at his side. She looked at her companion, but said nothing in response. Nothing as Ailey could hear. And then she turned away. And the old man returned his icy spare to his and spoke. If it's all quite through, we must now make haste, he said, mentioning impatiently with his hands. And an appointment of some importance I'd like to keep, and the lady wishes to be intrinsic before dusk. I trust we will not be lost near the dark ere we reach the gates. Zillo looked at the young woman. Her pleasant face and quiet manner seemed in stark contrast to the dour face and, sh and, sh and harsh tongue of her withered companion. She wondered what had elevated this plainly clad woman to such cessation. She spoke only through the wretched man of piercing gaze, still stabbed out of the wagon's shed shadowy interior. The source woman prided herself on the ability to read people at a glance. She sensed at once it was extreme, judicious tact that held the young lady's tongue. But it was against all her instincts to believe there was nothing more. Behind the silent woman's dark eyes, tucked away beneath the ling, went to a faint but discernible smile or something else. Entity remained undefined. Yet its undeniable presence spoke equally of joyous wonder, a profound, unnamed terror. The outcome of her attempt to read the inscrutable faces and unclear motives of, of the two travellers who had hired her crew in Migsville hardly mattered. And so Lord Israel already knew who they are. She had been told that much. Despite her rigid detachment from the shadowy affair directed by an invisible and unknown paymaster, it pained her she was likely leading them to their deaths. She nodded at the odd pair and turned away from the coach. Without haste, unable to shake from her mind the haunting image of the young woman's dark eyes, she turned and made her way back along the road to where three brothers in arms stood waiting. Our queen... And her keeper are anxious to be on the move again, she said, before turning and, and, and glancing at the five battered highwaymen. Speaking loudly enough to produce the desired effect amongst the brigand, she posed the question to H. No what are we going to do with that lot? If they be let go, we'll take their weapons. We'll just as soon take their heads. The present. In the late afternoon hours leading up to dusk, beneath Blade Square's towering northern arch, the elderly man shuffling in your direction, clad in the common brown tunic, with a thin cloaked cloak wrapped tightly around his narrow, rounded shoulders, has yet to allow his gaze to stray from you, with growing interest in a mysterious affair that was only hinted at in the message received nearly a week ago. You retain a guarded demeanour as the old man draws up, glances about suspiciously, and finally greets you with a curt nod. He introduces himself to Lord Orlinda, and you immediately recognise his name to be the name that was scrawled 
recording this signature across the bottom of the message. There's a coach waiting just round the bend, he says, motioning back in the direction of Rike. May speak at ease once we are seated in it. Note delivered to you early one morning, a week ago, upon your arrival in Twitter, indicate this man, Oriya, sought to consult with you regarding a task of grave importance, a task that demanded sequency. Okay. Alright, I can use divination or thievery at 40 plus to try and figure out what exactly I'm, be I'm being told to do and why. I'll use divination. Succeeded. You sense the old 4xp to divination. You sense the old man is telling the truth and that his name is indeed Ornady. You also sense he's anxious to leave the street and return to privacy of the coach. Okay. I'll follow Ornady to the coach. I mean, he's... He's... He probably... It's Twithic and it's nearly nice. Probably not safe to be out. And that's before you consider any particular danger that he's in. So, yep, follow him to the coach. Falling out of here, you pass swiftly out of Blade Square and head north along the broad thoroughfare that leads, leads into the oldest and least reputable district of the Willowport. As you pass Brinvivere's, you spot a ruggy coach standing on the opposite side of the lane. Two heavy horses stand stoically before the wagon. Oh and dear, he glances in all directions several times, then quickly crosses the street. Driver leaps down from atop the stage and opens the door, revealing a dark and empty interior. He waits until Orlandy has boarded, before climbing into the coach behind him. The curtains have been drawn over the two windows that peer out of the wagon, making the interior much darker than it would otherwise be. The moment you've taken your seat, the elderly man draws a carved wooden stick and raps on the ceiling. The coach lurches forward, heading back to the south, towards the condangle from which you departed only a few minutes ago. You cannot know what a relief it is to at last be face to face with you, says Orlandir, retrieving a long pipe from somewhere within his tunic and promptly stuffing its bowl. He wags his thumb over the inst instrument and a thin trail of smoke rises out of the chamber, filling the cabin with the sweet smell of his, of his lone, smouldering vice. You'll excuse the cloud I'm about to make. This whole affair has had me neither rest nor pleasure for the last month. Just a moment, I beg you. While all this smokes in silent, you peer out through... Now a gap at the curtains that cover the window on your right. By the time the wagon rolls up to the city gates, the coach's gloomy interior is filled with a, with a thick cloud. The unmistakable but pleasant smell of burnt Grundier wood. Ooh, there's, a, there's an entry for that wood. Gundor wood is the name given to a large spherical tuber. That, that grows at high altitudes. High altitudes. <laughs> it was named as the man who is credited with thirsty stuffing it high in the fieldlands, Justin Gwindor. While the tuba can be eaten and is a sweet and fortifying food, its more common and more valuable use 
is as a pipe filler. When dried and cut into strips, Grunendur root serves as the most common source of pipe smoke throughout the North Broadlands. Nice. The message you receive was dispatched from Mixville, he says at last, removing the pipe from his mouth and placing it across his knees. We'll hold up, we'll hold up there for nearly two weeks, waiting to be certain we might safely make the journey here. Do not wish to waste your time. Indeed, I have little enough I can hope to spare. So I'll bring this to a point as readily as I can. Onadir taps his pipe, pipe against his leg, and leans slightly forward. I come, I come seeking your hopes, Uke, to only because of your reputation, but because of where it is your travels are taking you. My name is Orlandir Baywood, and I seek to restore my line to the stewardship of Fogborough. The old, the old man's sudden revelation takes you by surprise, and immediately calls to mind your various encounters with the name Baylwood during your exploration of the Cursed Wood, which I had in the previous two episodes. Now, you first recall, not far from the eastern edge of the wood, you discover a circle of stones, the collection of head-sized rocks forms a wing around a broad, flat, moss-covered slab of stone. The mist that swirls across the stone floor becomes, at times, thick enough to obscure the stones. A close examination of the stone slab reveals the word Beowood engraved upon its surface. You next recall... While making your way through a rolling bank of thick fog, you're suddenly taken aback by the appearance of a strange greenish glow animating from the surrounding mists. You cautiously approach the glow and discover its source, hovering inches above the rotting, rotting foliage that, that covers the forest floor is the glowing apparition of an old bearded man. You stop in front of the spectral figure and watch with glowing fascination as the image of the old man turns in your direction and speaks in a low tone. My heir, find my heir. The flame of Castle Balewood must burn again. Without warning, the apparition flickers and then vanishes. You believe that the image of the old man was not a ghost, but a magical message. You have little idea how long ago it was created. As you once again set off through the fog, you find with your thoughts returning to the words imparted by the image of the old man. My heir, the flame of Castle Balewood must burn again. You next recall, as you approach the stairs that lead down from this chamber, your eyes are drawn to a curious verse carved into the wall just above the landing. With your trusted lamp illuminating the wall, you study the wall words etched into the damp stone. The light from Beowood, now long dark, the watch begins to creep. A fog to hide this cursed place, eternal, wretched sleep. After studying the verse for several moments, you promptly make your way out of the tower. And, and you next recall, while exploring the western portion of the outer wood, 
will encounter an old bent man hobbling along a well-worn trail. He leans heavily upon a stout cane, looks up at you and smiles as you approach. Whitehead man, who by all appearances appears to be unfit to be wandering into the Kirkwood, tells you he has always ventured in the forest ever since he was a young man. I'll find you too, he says, suddenly he's strange. Oh, it's a context statement, catching you off guard. Uh, if they haven't yet approached you about rekindling the flame, they will. On that you have my solemn promise. You ask the old man what he's speaking of, but he doesn't answer your question. The light will shine on the top of Bearwood, he says. It's now quite plain to me you'll be the one to light it. You know, you may need my help at the end of things, and you may count on it. Before you can again ask the old man what he means, he turns and wanders off, muttering to himself as he picks his way carefully over the uneven forest terrain that lies hidden beneath a thick blanket of rolling fog. Still puzzling over his words, he once again set off to resume your exploration. You next recall. Standing atop a small bound that rises out of the thick fog swirling across the forest floor, you stare to the west at the dark silhouette of a towering castle, eerily situ- silhouetted against a ghastly backdrop of swirling mist. You make several attempts to approach the castle, but each of the endeavours ends inexplicably in failure, leaving you lost in a tangled patch of bramble, no closer to the phantom structure than, than you were when you began. Sensing that powerful magic protects the castle, you decide that for now, you have to be content with viewing the fog-shrouded structure from the start from afar. You are now certain that the castle discovered in the fog-shrouded forest was the legendary Castle Balewood. Oh, there's a link to that. Castle Balewood. This imposing woodland fortress, located within the borders of Fogbar Forest, is the ancestral home of the Balewoods. An ancient line of powerful mages who long served as the stewards of the cursed wood. The castle was abandoned nearly 200 years ago, following the death of Ulrich Beowood and the subsequent fight of his only son, Umdor. When the castle was occupied, four magical beacons burned in each of its corner towers. Beacons are said to have had the power to ward off the creeping curse that has long plagued Fogbar, and protect the abode of the stewards as they waged their incessant battle against the growing evil in the wood. Alright, next bit. Your memory stirred by Ulrich's mention of his, his family name. You find yourself able to recall much of the known history of the Palewoods, the, mon- the once powerful stewards of the, the once powerful stewards of Fogbar. Okay, there's a link here. Balewood. Balewood, Balewood, not Woodward, is the surname of an ancient line of powerful spellcasters who long served as stewards of the cursed forest of Fogbar. The Balewood stewards long ago constructed a fortress within Fogbar, known as Castle Balewood, from which they waged an incessant battle against the forest-creeping curse, a curse they 
believed would one day threaten the world beyond the borders of the wood. Nearly 200 years ago, the stewardship suddenly collapsed and Castle Bailwood was abandoned. The last known steward of Fogborough, Umbral Bailwood, is said to have fled the castle following his father's death, hands of an ancient and powerful forest evil. I can, I can see that the name Bailwood is known to you, he said. You also know that for centuries my family served as the stewards of Fogborough. We sought to prevent the curse of that washing forest from spreading beyond its board, to stop the madness of Wagnar from creeping out of the wood that has long served as his tomb. My long-dead ancestors saw this as their calling, and for six generations the enchanted flames that burned within Castle Barrowwood served to temper a curse whose potency grew with each passing of the season. Older tells you that following the tragic death of his grandfather, the master spellcaster Umbrick Bearwood, the family castle in Fogborough, the mighty fortress that long stood against the growing evil that took and, took and root in the forest was abandoned. The flight from Fogborough has been our lion's, sh lion's shame to bear ever since, who indeed there are few who recall the name Bearwood, and even fewer who associated with the brief history I've just related to you. Already confident answer, you asked Eldar if he seeks your help in reclaiming the castle so the ancestral stewardship of the Bearwards can be re-established. I do, he says, for, it not be the, for I will not be the Bearwards seated upon the castle throne. That, that honour, who may well be better thought of as an endeavour, would belong to my granddaughter. Tarina. Her father, my son, died nearly a year ago, nearly ago, and he had no desire to return to the castle. Tell her spirit is of the old line. She is quite, quite keenly to raise the Balewood name and legacy out of the ashes in which it smoulders. She will again assume control of that which we surrendered so long ago. Alanir tells you that Ta, Talina, Though not yet having reached her twentieth year, is amazed those skilled rivals that of her legendary ancestors, and she is undaunted by the prospect of the dim, grim task of resuming the stewardship of the decaying forest. I do not doubt for even a moment that she is capable of meeting any challenge she will face, he says, but I will need your help, Soup, if she is to ever set foot in the halls Raised by her forefathers, Castle Bailwood is now a place of dire peril. Protected by magic left behind by Umbro Bailwood, son of Umbrick. It was Umbro who fed the castle, abandoning the stewardship, and bequeathing a legacy of shame to the generations that would follow. Okay, let's find out who these Bailwoods are. Umbro? Although Umbral Bearwood, though he's believed to have served as steward of Fog for seven loves, most stewards credit Umbral's father Umbralbeck as being the last steward of the cursed wood. Nearly two hundred years ago, Umbric Bailwood is said to have met an untimely death, hands of an ancient and powerful evil. Umbr 
Omdual amassed in several magical disciplines and his father's only son, is said to have fled Castle Blairwood shortly after the incident, thus breaking the line of stewardship. History has remembered Umbral as a coward, but his flight from the family's ancestral throne following his father's death has served to tarnish the Bailwood name. Right, what about Umbric? Umbric. Many historians credit the master elementalist Umbric Bailwood as the last true steward of Fogbar. He served the steward of the cursed wood, waging a constant battle against waging a constant battle against the creeping evil that sought sought to press the borders of the forest from his family's ancestral home, imposing fortress known as Castle Bailwood. Nearly two hundred years ago, Ombrick is said to have met an untimely death the hands of an ancient and powerful forest eagle, his only son, a master spellcaster named Ulubo, is believed to have fled fled the castle following his father's death, thus breaking the line of stewardship. Yes. Alright, back, back, back to the actual... You learn... Yerna Ulbrick, considered to be the last true steward of the Bailwood line. Line was killed by a powerful, powerful but unknown entity is said to have risen out of the very fog that filled the cursed wood. Following his father's untimely death, Umajo assumed the stewardship. But when the young mage found himself confronted by the very entity that's, that failed his father, he fled. Aldor says that before fleeing the castle, Umro, powerful but cowardly spellcaster, summoned dark and powerful magic from powerful magic to protect the fortress for as long as it will remain inhabited, uninhabited. That is. <laughs> What, and while the venomous and the magic may present a power, it tells you there is likely a greater danger to be confronted. The elder Bearwood tells you that the tales that have been that have been told since this fateful day speak of a ghastly creature of fog that stalks stalks the castle grounds, slaying anyone who dares attempt attempt to enter the ancestral home. the bale one. There is every reason to believe that if such an entity roams the vicinity of the castle, it is a mistwave. It is likely the it is the mistwave that killed Umbrick and drove Umbrick from the castle. What is a mistwave? Long believed to be myths, or to have disappeared into the shadows of a previous age, is now thought that the powerful and mysterious entities written about in countless tales and legends as mistrafe still stalk the gloomy depths of Fogbore Forest. The origin and the nature of mistwraiths have never been established, though some believe these horrific undead beings are tortured souls yet lingering in the worlds of the li- in the world of the living. Alright, and we're back. Alright. 
continuing about the mist wraith. Other accounts suggest that mixed wraiths, having no cho true chosen form of their own, take over the minds and bodies of their chosen victims, unnaturally prolonging their life of their host while slowly consuming them. Oh no. Mist wraiths are said to appear in the form of white fog or grey mist, and will rapidly assume the shape of other beings. It is likely it was a mist wraith that killed Umbrock and drove Umdor from the castle. Eldra tells you that he seeks your help in making Castle Playwood safe for Tiara, and those who employ her accompanied her to her woodland fortress. Tiara is a mage of extraordinary skill, and she would no doubt cheerfully undertake the task of securing the castle, but I know better, Soup. She is a powerful spellcaster, there's no mistake about that. But she is not an adventurer, that is why I have come to you. That's ordinary what must be done to secure the castle for Arnie's arrival. The four beacons of Castle Baywood must be set aflame, he says. There is a beacon in each of the four high, four high corner towers. When all four have been lit, the castle will be safe from anything that might attempt to encroach her. Encroach upon it from the forest, or so we must believe. It's also my profound hope that any of Umdur's magic that, less, that yet lingers be undone by the lightning of the last beacon. Ordinary tells you that the beacons cannot be lit by ordinary means. Only a mage sufficiently skilled in the art of elementalism can hope to light any of the beacons. Or... Someone in possession of this! The elderly Bearwood produces a wooden wog. Cat charred at one end and quickly passes his hand over the dagger-sized stick. Almost immediately the wad tip bursts into flame. Orin again passes his hand over the wad. And the fire goes out with a puff of smoke. This curiosity retains enough power to set all of the beacons aflame. With the exception of a caster who can summon fire, this is the only means by which the flames of Castle Bailwood can be restored. Aurelia tells you that should you accept the mission and light the four beacons of Castle Bailwood, the fortress will be secured until our return, assuming the stewardship that was broken centuries ago. I do not propose to ask you solely on the basis of goodwill, he says, laying the magical torse across his knee next to his pipe. And I, but I do not wish to insult you, but seeking to hire you outright for this task, like a common mercenary. It is Talera's task that I have met with you, Zoop, and he assures me that you will be duly rewarded for your services. Aulalir pauses and leans back. His eyes fixed certainly on your face. Because that he is, having directly asked you a question, awaiting your response, you nod with that simple, simple gesture. Which is over to the task of hoping to restore the Bowerwoods to the historic place as the stewards of Fogborough. A look of relief passes over the old man's wizarded face as he returns your nod. And so it will be, he says, 
taking hold of the torch and handing the enchanted item to you. I've heard that you are versed in the realm of elemental magic, but you may find this handy, and perhaps even necessary. Take it with you, and keep it safe. I got an enchanted torch. This wooden watch, charred at one end, is an enchanted torch given to you by Uldir Brainwood. According to Uldir, the exception of a mage highly skilled in the realm of elemental magic, this is the only means by which to light the beacons of Castle Bailwood. Please continue. The coach continues to move through the city, stopping now and again in various places for several minutes, for once again lurching off along the bustling streets, your conversation with Lorna Beacons. The older Bailwood tells you that he and Tolia were stalked in Mixville, and he is all but certain they were followed to Trithic. Despite his suspicions, Amidst the identity of any would-be enemies remains present a mystery. Teleria and I found our way to Mixville without incident, he says, not revealing where their journey began. But a growing sense of unease gnawed at me in that city, and I surely thought that any villainy with designs upon our family would have vanished with the interruption of our stewardship. Yet I had twice encountered Evans, which are not liberty to reveal, suggests that our world has not been as lonely as we first allowed ourselves to believe. Despite his apparent reluctance to reveal any evidence he claims covered with regards to suspected pursuit, he tells you that he senses a powerful, powerful group of enemies going to great lengths to ensure that Castle Bailwood remains uninhabited. I know some of the facts concerned with Recent events in Volbar, and I dare say that sorceress hiding in the wood is aware of the Bearwood stewardship, and has no liking for the prospect of contending with our reconstituted line. I would say with certainty that Corachild has agents beyond the boundaries of the cursed forest. Powerful agents, whose sole purpose is to see her wicked endeavours are not thwarted. You tell Owen, dear, that the encounters you've had in Fogborough related, related to the name Bearwood. And he listens with great interest in describing detail your sighting of the glowly apparition of an old bearded man. Confess I do not know what it means, what the nature of such a thing might be, but the image you describe could easily be that of Ombrick Bearwood, but the pretense I cannot say. When you tell Aunt Annie you have seen what you believe to be Castle Bailwood, for only his distant, towering silhouette against the forest mist, the unable to approach it, he nods and confirms your suspicions. Orbito's magic is still clearly at work. You will need this to be able to reach the castle. Take it. The elder Bailwood removes a gold wing from his finger and hands it to you. On the square, flattened crown, crown of the band, is an engraved bee. The Bailwood Seal. Ooh, it's pretty nice too. Three BLA waiting, three Stanima points, and one Neville Reserve. This gold wing is the seal of the Bailwood line. The wing was given to you by all in their Bailwood. The champions the wing bears on the ground will, set, will allow you to set foot on the ground, grounds of Castle Bailwood in Fulbright Forest. On the square... On the square... 
brass and crown of the band is in, is an engraved B. Alright, I'm going to equip that right now. This is very, very important to have that equipped. Unequipping the Darkwood Wing, equipping the Balewood Seal, which increased my stats, which is usually quite rare for a mandatory quest equipment, but still. This wing will not only allow you to pass through the outer defences, but his magic may help to mitigate any remnants of Umzor's magic that you may encounter within the castle. I would suggest you keep it on your finger, at least until all the beacons have been lit. Okay, and I will. And not just because it's not just to deal with the perils of the castle, but because it boosts my stats as well. He asks Orundir about the beacons, and he tells you they are large engraved iron balls, each roughly four feet across. The balls, he says, were empty. But they were like brave the hand of a master elementalist, or for the use of the enchanted torch he has given you. The four corners of the castle house the beacons, he says. You'll find them in the topmost chamber within each tower. The tower is accessible from passages that lead after the Great Hall. Beyond that, which I know from the old legends, so this is all I can hope to tell you never seen even a glimpse of the fortress raised by my ancestors. That's all idea where you'll be able to find him should you need to consult with him during mission. He quickly tells you you will not meet again with him to the conclusion of your task. I cannot risk further meetings, he says. You will find, I'm afraid, that even this brief encounter placed you under the watchful eyes of those determined to prevent the restoration of the Bearwood line. I play that this endeavour and your involvement in it remains unknown to any, though I fear this will not long be the case. Oradir tells you that he and Talinia are hiding hiding in a trusted, with a trusted alley in the vicinity of Twithic, and that they will know when the beacons of Castle Bailwood are aflame. The lighting of the last of our four beacons will lift a great weight from our hearts. You need only return to the city when your task is done. I thank you, Zoop. I'll pray for your safety and your success. Aldis says that he hired a group of group of guards in in Mistbilt to provide protection on the road to Trithic. They were capable enough. With the exception of a ill-fated bandit attack, we met no difficulties during the short passage. I retain their services until the conclusion of this whole affair. As their presence, ever at our side, allows me what little rest and ease of mind I've managed to come across these last many days. The coach rolls, rolls through the bustling streets and stops at the edge of the crowded market in Blade Square. There we depart, bidding all in their farewell, and promising the elder Bellwood that he will clear his fa family's ancient forest abode to provide for the safe return of the castle's young steward. Again, I pray for your safety and your success, he says before closing the door. It is with great and welcome sense of relief that I leave this matter in your cup, cup as trusted and capable hands, Zoop. 
May the the guiding hand of the Allfather keep you from peril. But I like peril. With that, you turn and step away from the coach. The driver flicks his flicks the way reins, and a pair of heavy horses effortlessly carry off the wagon and its lone occupant. For quite some time, you linger in and about Blade Square, turning over in your mind the full magnitude of an intending mission to secure the ages-old stronghold, the abode of the Bailwoods, the stewards of Fogwa. Time and again, your thoughts return to the elderly man in the coach, older Jill Bailwood, a man protecting the last of his family line. Man who confided in you only the barest of details that would serve you on your task. A man whose stern expression and exacting nature veiled what seemed to be ignoring deep seated dread. Mission as presented you is quite clear. With the Bellwood seal given to you by Rondir, you to journey to Fogborough and seek out the Miss Swaddy Castle, which until now only been able to glimpse from afar. Once you've found your way to the castle, you are to light the four beacons, each to be found in the topmost chamber of the castle's corner towers. According to Orlandir, when all four beacons are lift, lit, Castle Bale will once again be protected from the encroaching wickedness of the forest, and hopefully rid of the last remnants of Umdawal's sinister magic. Ever mindful of Elnage's somewhat brief mention of a mistway which may yet haunt the castle, you can't help but think that the task will hardly prove to be a series of simple steps. Despite your nagging suspicions and a general sense of unease, decide to set out at once for Fogbar, where your plans to once again lay your eyes upon the ghostly, abandoned castle of the Bearwoods. In the grey box now, to continue this adventure, travel to Fogbar Forest in the Western Tosa and choose a Fox Rally ta- Castle from your list of previously discovered locations. Alright, oh, strange statue. Okay, now, admittedly, this is here. Examine the statue, touch the glowing blade. The instant you touch the glowing blade, 4x beat general. Suddenly, your eyes are suddenly drawn to the base of the statue. There, lying on the ground, next to your white foot, is a small black square of iron. Without hesitation, you reach down and take possession of the strange object. It's the engraved iron square. This small iron square bears an engraving on one side that depicts a hand clutching the hilt of a sword. One side of the pitted iron square bears an engraving depicts a hand clutching the hilt of a sword. Still still wondering at the significance of the iron piece, you're about to turn away from the statue with a low voice devoid of emotion echoes through your thoughts. Required the first of three, my way will soon be revealed to you. The voice abruptly falls silent. Okay. So that that statue, that statue is by touching the statue ten times, ten times uh, with a twenty-four hour gap needed between each each touch. 
you have got the first of three items. And you've got to get two more, and then you unlock a hefty quest, which you, which you will hear about eventually. So, to Fogborough now. You stand at the western edge of Fogborough Heist, just west of the fortified town of Ashlire. Long, swirling bands of mists roll slowly out of the cursed wood and curl about your feet before melding into a blanket of fog that swallows up the nearby hills. The forest seems to be almost alive, although you can see nothing moving beneath the rotting shadowy trees. You feel as if the cold stare of a thousand pairs of eyes are fixed on you. Suddenly... The sudden sound of hoofbeats to the south reaches your ears, and almost immediately, quite inexplicably, you found yourself overcome with a gnawing sense of dread. Though the approaching horse and its presumed rider are still obscured somewhere within the mists. You draw yourself into a guarded posture. Straining your eyes, you peer into the surrounding fog eager to catch a first glimpse of who or what has chosen to ride so close to the edge of the cursed wood. Moments later, a roan rider, perched atop a bridled mare, bursts from the wall of mist to the south. Moving at a steady clip towards you, the young man, dressed in a sleeveless green tunic, waves his hand in a gesture of goodwill as his steed draws up to within a few yards of you. Zoop! He asks, leaning forward and glaring down at you, a pair of fierce blue eyes. But a poor day am I reckon I were I not able to identify our greatest, greatest adventure at a glance. I am Rudbly Suthram of Aspir, and I beg just a few moments of your time. Rudbeard dismounts and strides up to you, his white hand extended palm outward, in unspoken anticipation of meeting you in a shoulder horse. When you comply with the gesture and affirm for him that it is, it is you he is seeking, you he is seeking, a look of relief passes over his bright youthful face and he smiles. He able to resist to ask him if he has trained to all the way from Ashbeard to find you, and taken a back when he promptly nods. So swans, not on the back of that fine beast, he says, pointing back and stroking the nose of his mare. There are other swifter means of travel available. I assure you I make good use of them, for time itself is against me. Thank the All-Father I was able to reach you. This, of course, was some hope towards that end. Udyr produces a small stone cube, slightly smaller than your fist, and raises his hand over it. The six sides of the cube suddenly transform from a great grey stone to a glistening brick, glistening black, an identical... Image takes form on each of the side of the face of the cube. Holds the eye put out for you. You are shocked as your eyes set upon a still, utterly lifelike image of yourself as you pass by the town of Ashlar less than an hour ago. Handy for just this sort of thing, he says, making an obvious reference to the endeavour tracking you down. But they can be unpredictable. They do have a mind through omotypes, so it seems. Now, if you'll allow me, there's something I must tell you. And, no, and I have no doubt you'll want to hear it. Woodbeer pauses and slips the stone crew back into his pouch at his side before continuing. 
then says something that makes your blood run cold. I have every reason to believe the Brotherhood of the Grey Circle is haunting you. Still reeling from Budapest's shocking statement, your mind suddenly returns turns to the events surrounding the purging of the altar rock from Ashley. Ashla, the face of Twimley, the young master maid of those who requested you embarked on a mission, and by whose ambition you first learned of Coratel and Erosorok, takes form in the midst of your jumble thoughts. You may immediately and clearly recall your subsequent encounter with Twimley. While making your way along Ashley's main thoroughfare, you suddenly catch sight of a figure lurching at the side of the street, his face turned in your direction. Instinctively glance over at the figure, curious who it is that appears to watch you. Only a split second before your eyes have fallen on the figure, however, he turns and quickly slips away down an adjoining lane. But not before you caught a brief glimpse of his face, a glimpse that sent a chill straight through you. You're but certain that the face of the man who was watching you pass along the thought there was none other than that of Twimley. The young ma- master manager at whose behest you first ventured into Ashla. He rushed into the narrow lane along which the figure swift departed. There is no longer any sign of him. Puzzled and unnerved by the encounter, remains foremost on your mind as you turn and once again set off on your way. I wouldn't expect you to take only the word the stranger, says Woodley, producing a felled piece of warm paper which he hands to you wish my own skin to lay my fingers on that it's part of a larger series of notes for I regret I was only able to purloin this one I believe it is enough to make the matter plain to you you slowly unfurl the paper and allow your eyes to scan the neat well-stroked script that fills the wrinkled page frequent, more penetrative excursions into the forest. Oh, what scores for alarm? By his very nature, he will seek to undo the great work which has already been done. So great a cost. Cortel and our wooden army seem incapable of bringing about his demise. I don't task on set take someone in whom I invest so much faith to complete with relative ease. I think before long, however, our difficulties will compound. Olenir Blairwood yet lives. Amazements tell me that the young girl, long believed to have perished of strong salt swamp fever, is now the likely heir to the ancestral stewardship. The flaming beacons of Castle Blairwood and a restored steward would be a dagger through the heart of our best laid plans. Olenir will seek out the help of Zoop. There is no one else so readily capable of returning a Bailwood to their long-abandoned seat of power. A man well able to defect the demise the of those who stand to thwart our efforts awaits in terrific. You fold over the chilly note and about to hand it back to Umbir. The man tells you to keep it. Yes, anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, there's a description. Description is, this note was given to you by Woodbeer Silverman, a young mage you met on the outskirts of Fogsborough Forest. The note seems to detail the plot against you. 
in response to your exploration of the cursed wood. And your anticipated role in helping the Bayward family resume their stewardship of the forest. The neat, well-stroked quip that fills the wrinkled page reads as follows, and that's the stuff I just read. <laughs> yes. Woodbear tells you that he's a member of the Grey Circle, and while his treachery originates from you, he refused to let, his, a shat, let it cast a shadow of the west of the Brotherhood to which he has dedicated his young life. I know, know that you are also of the Order Soup, he says. You also remember, though, that all that occurs in Asper is a world away from the good work the Circle does throughout the realms. There are shadows lurking within the halls of Alderaan, but I have made it my mission to root them out. There are others who believe as I do, and I am not alone in my suspicions. I dare say such evidence that I just presented to you raises matters to a sinister certainty. Still reeling from evidence that seems to suggest the most powerful and influential organisation in North Broadlands has designs on your life. You ask Woodward if he knows who wrote it. I knew the, um, who the man well able to affect your demise might be. It will set your mind at ease to know that this had its origins far beneath the circle of the Grey Mage. He said, I this suspecting. That was the first of your first part of your inquiry. A man you've already met, Chimney, is somehow tied in with this, as is his mentor. And when I've learned to distrust that why, a man by the name of Glenorius, Glenorius of Sheer. It's from Glenorius' own study I pilfered that note. No, Glenorius. He was. He was with Woundskin. Oh dear, oh dear. So we've got So Woundskin has agents within the most powerful organization in the entire continent. Oh my This is bad and now some while ago Worlds of Way the edge of the plain of screams in a long forgotten and likely never known well. The mass shadowy depths of the neverness, perched on an outcropping of black watts, sits the fortress of a mighty bone crowned lord. Such promise, and yet so meddlesome, that annoys and tires me. Perhaps I have not quite been the father and figure I intended. Do you see it in some other way? Glorious? The towering world figure, his muscle-laden bulk, flamed by a tall arch rear in front of which he stands, turns to a small, frail silhouette on his left, and sighs. The slight man nods, and then, as if momentarily forgetting an unspoken protocol, quickly shakes his head. You are wise and patient, my lord, he says, unable to conceal the fear that sends you stumbling in nearly every word that his port passes from his thin lips. The bent, middle-aged man pauses for a moment and then continues. Some of us, humans I mean, are t tend to be rather forgetful of our pledge allegiances. Small reminder might be in order. The massive, woed figure turns back to the arch window 
and glazes out of the cracked fire-ravaged plain that extends to the horizon in nearly every direction. He must be reminded of his loyalty, he says, his voice passing through the empty chamber. Like the rumble of distant thunder, soon, soon, Gnorris, we shall go to work. The illustrious soup who soon come to know the place was serving me, or even, or he will suffer the grave misfortune bound to disobedience. Even the great soup has no hope of defying your will, great one, says the frail man. Bowing his head as he purposely averts his eyes from the towering figure, unless has once again turned to face him. What of the sorceress in the wood? Surely her exile in the film, in that forbidden place, provides you with the means to at last. Enough! No more words about that place. Roars the massive figure, his voice withering the man already cringing before him. The curse on that forest bears great potency. The witch that stalks there is now more powerful than you have ever known her. She will be dealt with at a time of my choosing, and not a moment before. Troy straightens himself up, and with his eyes still cast at the floor, addresses the towering shadowy figure before him. In firmer tone as he presently must, I must return to Aspir. He says, pausing Mr. Gorn's theory, the action is announcement with use. But is not, he continues. My trips here will have to become less frequent, my lord, as there are several who have taken an interest of late in my movements. You will be called upon when you are needed, sounds the fingers' wondering reply. The problems you face in the halls of Arwen are your own, and your rewards will be great, lord. Do not expect to curry favour with your tales of hardship. You'll find mine is a most unsympathetic ear. Knorris bows respectfully and steps back. A shimmering silver portal opens at his heels, and the master mage turns and disappears into it. The portal closes, leaving a massive figure alone at the window, staring out across the bleak, ravaged landscape. Tessellate playing, crafted by the violence of his own hands. You will play your part, Galoras, on the great Zoop, where acquiesce to his, he mutters, leading heavily with both broad hands on his stone still. Then, when you are no further use, you will both assume your next roles, perhaps as assistants to the once mighty Prince Iacor. His table hand against which all other horse tenders should be proud to be measured. Yes, 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 that's Woonskin. And he wants me. Mind, body, soul. Complete obedience. Please continue. You ask... Woodespear, both Timney and his elder within the grey circle glimmers, are now suspect. Now, as you suspect, in league with Cortell, he nods in reply and tells you that he believes it's Timney's hope he would perish in Aslai. You suddenly call to mind your somewhat strange encounter with Timney upon emerging, victorious from your battle with the Okawaks that occupied 
Ashlar. You've only just started across the misty plain, and you suddenly spot five figures emerging out of the rolling bank of fog to the south. Surprised to see Chimney and four of the armoured men with tracking party moving in your direction. Upon catching sight of you, the young master mage throws up his hand and calls out, the swell edge on his voice betraying what he expects is a genuine mix of surprise and elation. You stride up and meets the accomplished shout bellcaster in the shoulder cross. When you announce the success of your mission while simultaneously pressing the vapour-filled vial into your hand, his eyes widen and a four minute his side smile. We fear the worst, he says, his words momentarily poisoning you. Encampment was attacked only a small, short time ago by a handful of overwork. Afraid we assumed the unthinkable had happened, and yet another had been lost venturing into the taken town. I can plainly see now that I must learn to have a bit more faith heroes who so obviously earned the entirety of their reputations. Your reputation has not made you a beloved figure to all sets of eyes, I'm afraid says Lord Brookbeer. Fortunately, the eyes that seem to have settled on you belong to very, very dangerous people. These men and women who operate with impunity beneath veils of secrecy are with anyone or anything that, would fur- that will serve to further their wicked designs. Brookbeer tells you he has long suspected Knorris of being in league with a powerful entity not of this world. He grows too swiftly through the circle, he says. The power he reads within the guild, both magically and politically, is staggering, yet the sense of his deeds, like his thought, are not entirely derived from his own free will. Someone or something else has thrust a malicious guiding hand into his affairs. At that point I would stake my own life. With your mind still reeling, your thoughts clouded with all that would be as related to, you ask the young mage why he has taken the great risk to travel such a great distance to serve you with dark, with a stark, timely warning. I long feared that my own suspicions were unfounded, he says, but when it became plain to me that they were, were but a prelude to a far more sinister truth. I began to fear I was alone in the fight I couldn't hope to wage. When I learned that you had become a tiger, I realised I had at least a single ally outside of Ashbeard. Even if you could not yet know the breadth of the peril set against you, Brunapir says that when he learned through his investigations that there was the possibility of a bell returning to his ancestral fortunes from Queen Fogra, became convinced must act at once. Freesons as yet yet unknown to me. The forest has become their focus. There's something in, in the wood that they seek. It's plain to me that the Coratel as the tempty over for our order was not exactly as it was betrayed. Her exile into Fogbo, I fear, is part of a larger design I have yet to fully comprehend. You may trust to that I will return to Ashbeard and continue to delve into this matter as readily as I can. You feel that Woodbeard has told you the complete truth. Despite his bold words, you sense the young mage is frightened. 
Norse's senses were relieved beyond measure to have at last found someone to whom he could confide what he's learned about the affair. Suddenly, McCorn stopped vapor fell vile injured by Timney, produced the item and showed it to Woodbeer. He studies it for several moments, watered he shrugs his shoulders. I would not follow the instructions you were given regarding its use. Confess I do not know what it is or what purpose it might serve, but my advice is to keep it sealed. You speak with Woodbeer for quite some time, and last he tells you you must now embark on his return journey to Aspia before his absence is noted. Not from far from here lies the beans by which I will arrive in Ashbeer before dawn tomorrow. For he had been gone far longer than his wise, but he could not be helped. You thank the young man for all he has imparted to you, and wish him luck on his return journey. He meets you in the shoulder cross and tells you to take care when you venture into the woods. You must succeed, Zoop, he says, as he remounts his horse. I have every confidence that you will clear the path by which the righteous steward will return to the forest. You successfully ensure that we will have gained a powerful ally in the, flight in the fight against the enemy that has revealed itself by targeting you. You must succeed. You simply must. As Woodspear rides off to the south, skirting the edge of the fog-shrouded forest, you turn and stare at the line of trees directly to the west. For quite some time, you sit in silence, almost motionless, at the edge of the cursed wood, solely pondering all that has transpired since your fateful meeting with Lordly Bayerwood in Poplade Square. Meeting you accept in the shadowy interior of the coach has already adopted a more profound sense of urgency a short while passed. It's passed since you parted way with the older parted ways with the elder Bearwood. Again, your thoughts and your gaze turns to the dark line of trees to the west, the border that's long served to contain the creeping curse of Fogmore. A gust of wind passes out in the nearby hills, bearing on its breath a surging tide of fog. As the walls of mist roll past, spinning over the broken ground further north, prepare to enter the wood and make your way to Castle Bearwood, eager to explore and secure the ancestral home of the forest stewards. To continue this adventure, explore Fogborough Forest and choose a fog-shrouded castle on your list of previously discovered locations. Alright, I'll go do that right now. Explore Fogborough Forest, previously discovered location, fog-shrouded castle. Standing atop a small round the wise mound that rises out of the thick fog, swirling across the forest floor. You stare to the west, your eyes fixed on the dark shape of a towering castle, eerily silhouetted against the ghostly backdrop of swirling, stirring mist. Now realise that you gaze upon Castle Bailwood, the ancestral fortress of the Bailwood family, home to a long line of powerful mages that once served as the stewards of Fogbois, battling the creeping curse of the Watting Wood. With your eyes fixed on the silhouetted castle, the enormity of your impending task lands squarely on your shoulders like a crushing weight. To complete the mission, 
you know, you'll need to somehow enter the fortress and set aflame its four, four beacons. Attempt to enter the castle. You carefully wind your way through tangled patches of bramble and fire this time. Now in possession of the wing given to you by Ornil Beowood, you are able to approach the castle, the mighty towering fortress. Draped in the long shadows of the rotting wood that surrounds it looms before you, rising out of the sea of mist that blankets the damp earth. Now a path leads you out of the bracken that borders the castle, delivers you to the edge of a wide, thorn-filled ravine that serves as a moat for the ancient abode of Bellwood Line. The castle's drawbit lies open, its dark timbers spanning the treacherous divide. Suddenly, your eyes fall upon what at first you mistake for debris covering much of the drawbit. Close examination feels the charred pieces of wood and on bits of iron scattered across the surface of the bridge are the remains of at least thirty ultrawork. The foot the open drawbridge on the opposite side of the moat, the heavy iron gates of Castle Baywood stand open. Beyond the banks you can just barely make out the fog filled amp outer bailey. Cross this drawbridge. And it's a good thing, and I think whatever happened to those Oprahs, I will avoid because I am wearing the Bellwood seal. Cross the drawbridge. You step onto the lower drawbridge and cautiously make your way across its sturdy but time worn planks. As you pass through the charred, fragmented remains of the Oprah, you carefully search for any sign. Might reveal how the minions of Corotel met their gruesome fate. You're midway across the span when a deafening roar shatters the silence. In an instant, the entire drawbridge is engulfed by a waging inferno. Jagged bolts of golden energy arc wildly through the air, tearing through the towering crimson flames that now surround you. Despite the intense heat, the the blaze that surrounds you, and the tines of lightning that, that pass within this is your flesh, you remain unaffected, seeming impervious to the deadly stare st- that previously destroyed the band of invading Okorokt. Your gaze is suddenly drawn to your hand, where the wing given to you by a volunteer, the bale, balewood seal, glows brightly. You instantly realise the wing has saved you from certain death. Wasting no time, you rush across the bridge and arrive at the iron gates. Standing before the open iron baits, gates, you turn around and are surprised to find the waging blaze that engulfed the drawbit only moments ago is no more. Even more startling is the observable fact that the bridge's timbers are not blackened in the slightest despite the intense heat of the inferno that envelops them. You glance down at the Baywood Steel, still feeling your finger. I think it would probably be a good idea to continue wearing the ring. Turning away from the drawbridge, you step wearily through the open iron gates and into the castle's high-walled outer bailey. No sooner have you passed into the foggy courtyard, the 
gates behind you close with a resounding clank. You spin around just in time to see a set of towering iron banded wooden, wooden doors close with a thud behind the gate. Shutting off your view of the drawbridge and the forest outside, despite the unwell, the unnerving welcome of the ancestral welcome to, despite an unnerving welcome to to the ancestral bailwood abode, you remain determined to see your mission through to success. You every sense alert for the first sign of danger. You cautiously make your way across the foggy courtyard towards a set of open double doors that serve as a gateway into the heart of the long abandoned fortress. Castle Bailwood is a place seemingly untouched by the ravages of time. As you pass through the broad corridors and its cavernous galleries of the lavish palace, you see no evidence that anything within the fortress has suffered the effects of decay. We expected of a structure abandoned nearly two centuries ago. Grand tapestries and magnificent statues, their craftsmanship harking back to an age long since departed, line the stone stone tiled door dustless pastures on which you make your weary tread. Various spots, living trees, ancient but frightening, thrust up through openings in the floor, their mighty wings scrape. Nice of them scraping, scraping the lofty ceilings of the passage above, above which they arc. Every so often you encounter reminders of this grim setting. The sea of seeping fog and gloom, out of which this strange and wondrous refuge rises. Thin wisps of, flog, of fog, bearing the subtle odour of decay that's so prevalent in the rotting forest outside. Now and again twist past, serving to shift your focus from the distraction of your unspoiled surroundings to the mission at hand. Move out of a vast gallery of stone and wood sculptures and pass into the wide hall, flanked on either side by ornate arches and elegant standard draped balconies. The far end of the corridor sent a set of tall oaken doors, above which hangs an untarnished bronze plaque, engraved with a fancifully scripted B, believing that the doors will open onto the Grand Hall, the heart of the castle and the chamber from which Arnir said you could access the towers. You promptly head for them. You're within twenty yards of the doors when you're suddenly overcome by a deep sense of dread. You freeze in mid-step and heed the urge to look back there, warning along the corridor through which you just passed. It's a dense wall of fog. You instinctively assume defensive stance as the fog continues to move in your direction. A cloud of fog draws to within a few yards, it suddenly dissipates, becoming nothing little more than a thin veil of mist that slowly swirls away along the stone tile floor. Despite the appearance the disappearance of the fog, the strange incident reminds you Castle Baywood remains a place of unknown peril. Vowing not to let your guard down, you proceed to the end of the passage, 
push open the doors and step into the Grand Hall. The Grand Hall of Castle Bailwood is a room that might easily serve to put the audience chambers of many a sovereign to shame. The art stone ceiling of the cavernous spa space passes over the over a room surrounded by lifelike statues of, of the dozens of stewards of the Bearwood line. The men and women who have reigned here over the many centuries since the fortress was built. All the statues, save one, are intact. The lone aberration, seated in the northeast core of the chamber, lies in a shattered heap. A long oaken table dominates the centre of the room. The table is still set with the accoutrements that suggest a great feast and a large number of guests. A feast you are left to assume never took place. The northern end of the chamber, fashioned out of a portion of the trunk of an ancient living oak that rises out of the opening in the floor, is an ornate throne-like chair. Four passages lead up the great hall. From each of the corners, heading northwest, northeast, southwest, and southeast, respectively, a thin veil of mist swirls and eddies across the floor. The floor of the hall. Examine the oaken seat. You're standing before a massive chair carved out of the enormous trunk of an ancient oak. The tree from which this grand throne has been crafted towers above the hall, its leaf-bearing limbs stretching far above across the art ceiling. That is a really nice chair. <laughs> a series of arcane symbols adorn the arms of the great chair, leaving you with little doubt that the seat once bore powerful enchantments. It's from this throne-like seat that the... That the Lion of the Bellwoods, the stewards of Fogborough, oversaw the affairs of this ancestral domain. Well, as I said, it's a really nice chair. I'm going to sit in it. You slowly lower yourself in, into the grand chair. For several moments, you rise and step back from the chair. Sit in it. Nope, nope. No, all right. I'll just check what something's supposed uh, let's check, you're going to keep sitting, sitting some more, sit once more. You look, slowly lower yourself into the grand chair. You're about to rise from the grand chair when a strange and powerful sensation suddenly overwhelms you. The train sensation magically subsides, leaving you feeling drained but otherwise unharmed. 128 experience. To all skills and powers. Pretty nice for sitting down a few times. You rise and step back from the chair. Alright, back from the chair. What about the shattered statue? The shattered thin base, the only portion that remains intact, is engraved with the name Umbador. You immediately recall Oni's account of Umbador Bailwood. The last of the stewards, a cowardly mage who fled their castle, fled the castle nearly two centuries ago. As you've noted elsewhere in the castle, no dust covers the base of the shattered ca castle or its jagged remnants now. I have a feeling if you're going to hide some treasure, you might just put it here.
I'm going to use Fevery to look for it. You've successfully used your Fevery skill. 8 XP to Fevery. Your expert eye spots a small alcove carved into the base of the back of the statue. You reach in and retrieve a leather pouch from the alcove. A surprise discovery it contains four adventurer tokens. Yay! You quickly pocket the tokens. Four adventure tokens. Very nice. Okay. That that's en that's enough that's enough time in this hall. Time to go up to these towers. Leave the hall by the northwest passage. Leave the hall, grand hall by the northwest passage. Following the broad, empty corridor, you soon arrive at a tall branch, beyond which a set of stone steps spiral into the darkness. These stairs will lead you to the castle's northwest tower. Climb the stairs. With your fateful life cutting through the gloom, you cautiously make your way up the broad, spiralling steps and climb towards the top of the tower. Your ascent of the broad steps of spiralling, broad set of spiralling steps that wind, wind their way up the tower proceeds without incident. By the time you reach the top of the stairs and come to halt before the iron-banded wooden door, the, the guards, the tower, tower's topmost chamber, which you hope to find one of the beacons. Your legs are weary and you are severely winded. Quickly note the door has no latch. You reach up against the wall and attempt to catch your breath. A faint crackling fills the air. Your eyes are immediately drawn to the floor, to the door. Now and again, thin vines of blue energy dart across the surface of the thick timbers. Much to your dismay, appears the door is protected by magic. So, I forgot to enter the door by force. Or, I'm going to have to go down these steps. Which means I'm going to have to go up all these steps again if I want to do it. So, I'm going to attack this door by force because that's easier than climbing these having to climb these stairs again so step towards the door and without step towards the door without warning two long lines of blue tines of blue energy leap from its surface come with the inches in your head without delay you prepare to do battle with the magically protected door that bars your entry into the tower's topmost chamber I'm fighting a door, a magic door. The door suddenly discharges an arc of blue energy that singes my flesh. You're struck by a powerful energy attack for 17 damage. Oh my, this is one mighty door. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. And fighting, 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 bash, bash, bash. Slain. 73 combat experience, 128 experience to general. The energy streaking across the surface of the door ceases. With a loud groan, the door swings slowly inward, revealing a window chamber at the very top of the tower. You quickly step into the chamber. Four large open windows look out from the circular chamber. 
top of the northwest tower. Thin wisps of wisps, thin wisps of fog float in through the windows and swirl through the space, serving only to add to the eerie gloom that fills the room. Resting atop a stone dais, the exact centre of the chamber, is a large engraved iron bowl. You immediately recognise the bowl to be one of the legendary beacons of Castle Beowulf, as described to you in detail by Olnir Bayhood himself in Twithing. Gaze out of the windows. Gazing out of the wide windows that dominate the walls of the chamber, you're able to see the castle's other three towers. The dark, imposing structures jut out of the sea of mist, consumes the lower grounds of the fortress, and rise into the murky sky. Yeah, so looking through these now windows, windows, you can see which ones are lit. None of them are lit now. Particular item. So enchanted torch, use sixteen XP to general. With a firm grip on the enchanted torch, you, you slowly lowered until its charred ends touches the rim of the iron bowl. A brilliant flash of golden light floods the chamber. You instinctively hold your hands up to protect your eyes from the fierce glow. Moments later, as the light fades, you lower your hands and are elated to witness a tall, single flame burning brightly in the centre of the iron bowl's iron bowl. The beacon of the northwest tower of Castle Bailwood is now lit. Back to the back to the hall. Okay. A knee-high blanket of fog obscures obscures the floor of of this hall. Now the northeast passage. You leave the Grand Hall by a northeast passage, crying a broad, tapestry-filled corridor. You soon arrive at a tall arch, beyond which a, step of, a set of wide stone steps spiral upwards into darkness. These stairs will lead you to the castle northeast town. I climb the stairs. Yes, it's a long climb. And there's another magic door. Thin climbs of blue energy dart across the surface of the thick timbers. Like the door you previously encountered, this one appears to be protected by powerful magic. So I will fight it. I'm going to fight this door. Fight, fight, fight. Bash the door. Bash the door with a hammer. Bash the door with a hammer. So I can get to the room beyond. It is slain. 73 combat experience, 128 experience to general. The energy streaking across the surface of the door ceases. With a loud groan, the door swings slowly inward, revealing a window chamber at the top of the tower. Quickly step into the chamber. Yes, it's the same description as the last one. Alright, use, use the item. Enchanted torch, firm grip on the enchanted torch, you slowly lower it to its charred end, touches the rim of the iron bowl. A brilliant flash of golden light floods the chamber. You instinctively throw your hands up to protect your eyes from the fierce glow. Moments later, 
as the light fades, you lower your hands and are elated to witness the tall, single flame burning brightly in the centre of the iron bowl. The beacon of the northeast tower of Castle Bailwood is now lit. A hundred and twenty-eight experience to general. Bit of healing. Back to the main hall. Now, a waist high with a fog has begun to swirl through the hall. So what, is some sort of monster? Well, we know there's a mist monster. So presumably... I'm thinking that once enough fog has gathered here, it's going to turn into an enormous monster. Like a dragon or something, made out of fog. And then it's then I'm going to have to fight it. Something like that. Now, the northwest passage. Climb these stairs, they're very long. Open the door by force. It's the magically fortified door. I bash it with my hammer. Keep bashing, keep bashing, mostly in battle wage, it is slain. 73 combat experience, 128 experience to general. The energy streaking across the surface as the door ceases. The lounge growing, the door swings slowly inward, revealing the window chamber at the very top of the tower. You quickly step into the chamber. It's used it use the enchanted torch. 16 XP to general. Brilliant flash of golden light floods the chamber. You instinctively throw your hands up to protect your eyes from the fierce glow. Moments later, as your light as the light fades, you lower your hands and are elated to witness a sing a, a tall single flame burning brightly in the centre of the iron bowl. The beacon of the southwest tower of Castle Bailwood is now lit. Back to the Great Hall. A deep, churning sea of fog has began to fill this hall. Okay, I think once once I get once I once I light that last beacon the, plate, the hall will be entirely fogged up. And then, whatever's within the fog can attack. Perhaps. Leave the hall via the southeast passage. Climb the stairs. There's a magical door. I fight, fight a door, fight a door. It blocks the passage, so you fight the door, fight the door. Fight the door with a magical hammer. Door is forward, it falls down. Clunk! Doze the door. 73 experience. 128. 73 combat experience. 128 experience to general. You quickly step into the chamber. Use the enchanted torch once more. The firm grip of the enchanted torch, you slowly lower it until its charred ends touch the rim of the bowl. Oof! There is fire. 128 experience to general. Ooh, another 128 experience to general. With the last of the four beacons lit, you turn to gaze out of the tower window. 
He could see if any changes color of the castle on his ground. You've only taken a single step towards the nearest window when you suddenly realize the sea of dense white fog began to flood the chamber. I'm going to quickly heal. The thick white fog continues to fill the chamber, its dense swirling vapors obscuring even the beacon's magical flame. With a glowing sense of dread, you press your, press your back against the wall and assume a dark guarded stance, prepared to face whatever menace might appear out of the unnatural pall of mist. You don't have to wait long. A gruesome, wispy, wraith-like being takes form in the mist of the swirling fog and slowly but steadily adopts the appearance of a floating, staff-wielding, robed human, its head concealed by a ghostly hood of vapours. Your, your pulse quickens and you instantly realise you are face to face with a dreaded mist wraith. The very entity Aurea Bayward feared you might encounter the abandoned halls of his ancestors, and I think I've just made it mad. Without a sound, and with a bank of fog billowing up around its gorish form, the sinister waif levels its misty staff at you. Realise not only realize that it would, it would not only be extremely dangerous to engage such a powerful foe in a place of source piss about that that with your lighting at the fourth beacon, you fall but completed your mission. Oh no! Well, well, we can't say can't say the castle's safe with this thing around. Hold your ground and engage the mistwraith. You boldly step forward, prepare to engage the mistwraith with blinding speed. The silent man has thrust his staff towards you, discharging a discharging a deadly bolt of lightning. Pick a number. Bonus 39. 20 from agility, 19 from luck. Got to get 75 or more. Success at 96. You dive. You dive to the floor. Narrowly dodging the crackly bolt of energy that surges from the tip of the maced waist staff. The arc of lightning tears into the wall of the chamber, showing you with splintered fragments of bone. Wasting your, wasting your time and now fully realising the futility of engaging the fearsome undead being in such a confined space. You spring to your feet and dash towards the stairs. Wait, hey, I haven't realised the futility. I think we could still fight it. But, a bit zoops there, so he's decided not to, so. You rush across the chamber, dash, dashing past the mistway, desperate bid to reach the stairs. Pick a number. Bonus of 39. 20 from agility, 19 from luck. Gotta get 75 or more, bad things will happen. 110 is a success. You reach the top of the stairs and leap down the first several steps, narrowly dodging a deadly discharge of lightning from the tip of the mistway staff. The crackling bolt of energy tears into the tower wall several feet above your head, showering you with spl splintered remnants of stone as you continue your rapid descent. A flowing river of fog fills the spiral stairwell, 
making your rapid descent all the more treacherous. At last, however, after several spells, you reach the bottom of the steps. I mean, yes, I mean, spiral staircases, they're they're bad because they get really thin. Thin on the inside. At that moment, an ominous sound rises into the air, momentarily drowning out the din of your ragged breath with the sound of cracking stone. Suddenly, a violent tremor runs through the door beneath you, nearly shaking you off your feet. You stare down at the stone tile floor and your eyes widen in horror. Thin vines of blue energy streak across the tiled under your feet, causing the stone to warp and buckle. The floor is giving way! With a final shudder and a loud groan, the floor beneath your feet collapses, pitching you into the darkness. Only a split second later, you land with a jarring force. Flat on your back. Your back, shaking your head on something, striking your head on something hard, and swiftly lapsing into an unconsciousness. You awaken in total darkness, lying flat on your back. Your head aches, but thankfully you're able to sit up. So we all know, adventurers have very, very hard heads. Despite having struck your head in the fall, it seemed to have suffered no lasting effects, save for a dull, throbbing ache at the back of your skull. With a groan, you stagger to your feet and fetch your faithful life source. It flares to life, brightly illuminating your new, bleak and unfamiliar surroundings. You're standing in a wide, dark passage. To the west, the passage joins a larger corridor running north and south, to the east a hall is choked with rubble, no doubt the result of the collapse above that landed you here. Thrusting your trusted light source up over your head, you scour the ceiling for any way you might climb up and out of the shadowy lair. Much your dismay, it seems that... It seems that... It seems that any chance of escaping from the fissure for which you fell is gone. Standing in a wide, dark stone passage somewhere below Castle Bellwood. To the west, the passage joins a larger corridor running north and south. To the east, the hall is choked with rubble, no doubt result of the collapse that landed you here. Realize that if you have any chance of completing your mission, you must work, find your way out of wherever it is you are now. Okay, going. Alright, a deep silence fills the twisted passages of this underground lair beneath Castle Bearwood. You move cautiously through the gloom, with every sense alert for any danger that may be lurking in the shadows. A thin blanket of mist covers the floor. To the north, you see a small alcove. What's there? Alright, going north. North. Go on. There. You're standing in a small out chamber just to the north of the wide corridor you've been following. Save for an iron plaque sent into the wall, the room is completely empty. Examine the iron plaque. You closely examine the iron plaque set into the wall. In the exact centre of the plaque is a small square impression. 
what I can use an item, and now there's only pretty much one item I've got for this quest. The Bellwood Seal. So I'll use that. 16 XP to general. You press the flattened square crown of the Bellwood Seal into the small impression in the centre of the iron plaque. For a fleeting instance, instance somewhere off in the distance, Hear what sounds like the faint crackling of energy. Withdraw the wing from the impression and step back from the plaque. I presume that did something somewhere. Head of you in the gloomy passage, blocking any further process. Progress along the corridor is a stone wall. The stone that makes up the wall is darker than that of the surrounding passage. Thin, jagged, blind tines of white energy, energy streak along the surface of the impassable barrier. Then I shall just have to fight it! The not you step towards the walls, blocking the passage. The thin, jagged lines of white energy crossing its surface leap out into the corridor, looming, coming within inches of striking you. You narrowly dodge two more crackling arcs of energy, to swiftly move in to engage the magical barrier. I fight an energised wall. The enchanted barrier emits a deadly a deadly charge of white energy. I'm swinging my mace at it. Swingy, swing, swing, swing. Keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. It's a free plus, so I can just rush it. You've slain your foe for 9 XP. Your final blow initiates a wide, violent series of tremors that pass through the magical barrier and waves. Seconds later, the energised stone wall lapses to a pile of rubble. With the passage before you now clear, you spend a few moments checking over equipment before once again resuming your trek along the gloomy corridor. A dense, churning river of fog suddenly flows into the corridor. The, a gruesome, wispy, wraith-like being takes form in the midst of the swirling fog and slowly but steadily adopts the appearance of a floating staff-wielding human, its head concealed by a ghostly hood of vapours. You, in you instantly realise you are once again face-to-face -face with the mist wraith, a creature that seems unwilling to allow you to escape from its chosen domain. Before you even had a chance to contemplate your next action, the mist wave swiftly dissolves into a churning river of mist continues to flow along the corridor. Without warning, a massive ogre, formed entirely out of the thick white mist, rises silently out of the sea of fog and attacks. I fight the mist ogre. The mist ogre silently attacks, but it's noisily counter-attacked by me, 6xp. Without a sound, the rapidly dissipating form of your vaporous foe sinks slowly into the churning wither of fog continues to flow through the chamber. You immediately assume it as fancy spans, expecting that any moment you'll be confronted by another of the elemental terrors. Suddenly, however, the fog begins to thin. After nearly a minute, it disappears altogether. You spend a few moments recovering from the brutal fight, checking over your equipment before once again setting off along the passage. 
All right, make them. Oh, there's a question mark on all. It's one of that bow. It's, it's, that, it's the energized wall again. Fight, fight, fight. The energized wall. Fight the wall. Punch down the wall. Break the ceiling. Punch the wall. Powerful energy attack. Yes, 9xp. Collapses into rubble and I can continue on my way. Ooh, crackling energy. Somewhere in district here sounds like crackling energy. Oh dear, I think another wall has appeared somewhere. Okay, there's Alcos now in the mid north, the middle of the north parts of this map. And there's Alcos to the north and to the west. It's another iron plaque. Use a Bailwood seal, 16 XP. One to the west. Set plaque. Seal. There we are. Some somewhere in distance you can hear what sounds like crackling energy. Alright, now go west and there's a there's a, one of those walls has appeared in my way. I fight it, I fight it, I fight it some more, I fight it, I fighting, fighting galore. Nine experience. Passage now clear. It's rubble. I can move ahead. I can move along. Keep on. Keep on. Just keep on keeping on. Suddenly, as you make your way along the gloomy corridor, your eyes scanning the darkness ahead for even the slightest hint of lurking danger. A strange, disorienting sensation suddenly comes over you. Your head begins to ache and your thoughts start to jumble. You stop and lean up against the wall and attempt to regain your bags before you can contemplate what is happening. The lucid image of a man's face takes take shape in your mind. It's the face of Woodbeer. Young man who delivered you the warning at the edge of Fogbar. The image of Woodbeer begins to speak and although his voice is barely above a whisper, no difficulty hearing what is spoken. In a voice that is barely above a whisper, Wilma's face, a vivid image foremost among most your thoughts, delivers, delivers your anonymous warning. I am uncovered, friend, and I dare not use your name. Though they, for they already know of our meeting, perhaps much else. Do not fail, it is you they fear. If I can escape this place, I will find you. They're coming. I must go. They are. You ache. You ache in your head. Promptly subsides. And your thoughts clear as the haunting image of Woodbeer and echo of this eerie warning swiftly fade. For several moments, you remain standing against the wall. Collecting your thoughts and fighting to sink, sink. Stave off an inexplicable sense of exhaustion in the wake of the unsettling event. With your mind still pouring over the young mage's message, you slowly resume your cautious trek along the dark corridor. Alright, going on the south. One of those walls again. Way too many of those. Fight, teeny, fight, 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 fight. Fight, really, fight, fight, fight. It is slain. 9xp. One ball now. 
Is another wall. Yes. This is a wall of walls. I, I, I don't know what the collective noun for walls is. A house. <laughs> While moving cautiously along a broad, gloomy corridor, you're taken aback by the sudden appearance of an old man up ahead. The white-haired man, his back blent, and much of his weight bearing on the stout oaken cane upon which he leans, steps out of the, steps out of the shadows and smiles as you approach. You immediately and vividly recall your first encounter with the same man. While exploring the western portal of the outer world, you encounter an old bent man hobbling along the well-worn trail. He leans heavily upon a stout chain. Caleb looks up at you and smiles as you approach. White-haired man, who by all appearances appears unfit to be wandering the cursed wood, tells you he has always ventured into the forest ever since he was a young man. I'll find you too, he says. Suddenly, his strange out-of-contact statement catching you off guard. They haven't yet approached you about rekindling the flame. They will. On that, you have my solemn promise. You ask the old man what he is speaking of, but he doesn't answer your question. The light will shine from the top of bear, what he says. It is now quite plain to me you will be the one to light it. I just did. And you may need my help at the end of things, and you may count on it. Before you can again ask the old man what he means, he turns and wanders off, muttering to himself as he picks his way carefully along the uneven forest terrain that lies hidden beneath a thick blanket of rolling fog. Still puzzling over his words, he once again set off to resume your exploration. The old man smiles, and with his gnarled left index points west in the passage. The way out, out of fear, is nearby, he says. I must prefer the forest, forest, you know, but this place, for a time, was, for a time, my home. You now realise the man standing before you is a bare wood, the line of old near and Tullier, and he suddenly staggers and reaches, and you reach out to steady him. Plan passes through, through his shoulder, so only with great effort you're able to retain your own balance. Afraid I have not been in this world for more years than I can hope to remember, he says, smiling. You'll yet need my help at the very end of things. As I told you in the forest, and you, you may count on it. As the apparition of the old man begins to slowly fade, he holds up his left hand. It's the first time you notice the wing adorning his wing finger. It's identical to the wing given to you by Ornair, the Baywood Spear. It's Baywood Seal, when the image of the elderly man has completely vanished. You once again resume your curious trek, cautious trek along the corridor. Okay, so, okay, I can go east or I can go west. I'm going to go east and it's another one of those walls. Alright, fighting the wall, fighting a wall, fighting a wall, tearing down a wall, deadly charge of green energy. It is slain. Nine experience points. It is wobble now. From somewhere in the distance, you hear what sounds like crackling energy. 
Yeah, and that's another war making its appearance. Now, to the east, along the northern side of the map, I see a small alcove, plaque, seal, 16xp. For a fleeting instant, from somewhere off in the distance, you can hear what sounds like the faint crackling of energy. Withdraw the wing from your oppression and step back from the owl, from the plaque, step into the corridor. From somewhere in distance, hear what sounds like crackling energy. Yes, it's more of those, more crackling energies, more and more of those walls. Tines of red energy streak across the surface of this impassable barrier. Unpassable? Well, you might say it's foolproof, but you haven't encountered this fool. 9xp for that one. A dense churning with a fog flows into the corridor. Please continue. A gruesome, wispy, wave-like being being takes form in the midst of the swirling fog and slowly but steadily adopts the appearance of a floating, staff-wielding, robed human, its head concealed by a ghostly hood of vapours. You instantly realise you are once again face to face with the mist-wave, a creature that seems unwilling to allow you to escape from its chosen domain. For you for the chance to contemplate your next action, the mist swiftly dissolves into a churning wither of mist continues to flow along the corridor. Without warning, a massive ogre, formed entirely out of thick white mist, rises silently out of the sea of fog and attacks. It attacks silently. Oh, it draws some energy from me. But nevertheless, it is slain 6xb. Okay. Alcoves to the west or north. To the west, you can see a massive stone door. Right northwest. You're standing in the western edge of a long, lightless corridor in a strange underground lair beneath Castle Bailwood. To the west, the passage abruptly ends as a massive iron door. Despite the thin mail of wrist that swirls, Intensely, incessantly along the passage, the door bears no sign of corrosion. Approach the towering, wet towering's iron door. You step up to the massive iron door. A golden field of energy streaks across its dark surface. The heat emitted by the countless jagged tines of energy now enveloping the door. It's unbearably intense. You quickly and wisely step back. Okay, there's more I've got to do. Going east. Going south. It's one of those walls again. People just keep putting walls. Yes, you don't, you know. Don't build walls. Build a hall. Okay. The only place there's uh, two couple of alcoves to the south, I think. But firstly, there's another wall in my way. I fight the wall. Silver energy this time. It fights through silver energy and it is slain for 9xp. 
to the west and the south, I see smaller, because west alcove first, plaque, seal, 16 XB, step back. Oh, another wall has just appeared. I've got to fight my way past this wall, too. So many walls. I just defeated the wall here. They're putting new walls in. It's like some sort of Trump administration, but, you know, competent. XP. Um, back along the corridor, okay, alcoves to the south, there's the plaque, use the baywood seal, 16 XP. For a fleeting instance, from somewhere off in the distance, you can hear what sounds like the faint crackling of energy. Withdraw the wing from the impression, step back from the plaque, back away. Okay. Ooh, more crackling energy. Another one of those doors has appeared. Okay, I think I can now go through the door. As you step up to the massive iron door, a golden field of energy streaks across its dark surface, intermitted by countless jagged lines of energy, and now Electing the door is unbearably intense suddenly. With a loud crackle, the golden energy surging across the surface of the iron door flares brightly, then vanishes. You're about to step towards the door, praying that it will open and reveal to you an exit from these dark passages when you're suddenly enveloped in a thick, bellowing cl cloud of white fog. Alright, what it, it must be there. A towering, mystery entity appears out of the mist, swirling sea of fog. A fearsome, vaporous, wave-like being, in the likeness of a staff-wielding world tumor, taken concealed by a tattered hood, rises above the mist from which it has taken form. Once again, you find yourself face to face with the mist. Mistwave, a creature cruelly bent on preventing your escape from its chosen domain. The hideous phantom of a fog swirls its frustrated staff towards you. A pale, snarling warmth. Creatures of mist take form in midair as they hurtle forth from the tip of a staff. You quickly find yourself locked in a brutal fight to the death. Against the silent but vicious beasts of vapour. I fight my th the first mist wolf. The mist wolf savagely attacks me. I savagely attack back with battle wage. Oh, oh, it's out now. Battle wage is over and now, but nevertheless, it is slain. 70 experience. The first of the mist wolves vanishes. As your final blow tears through its vaporous torso without delay, the second of the fearsome creatures hurls itself at you, continuing the silent, ferocious attack of its vanquished twin, Mist Wolf. You swing your mace at the enemy, 
the vicious wolf savagely attacks me. I fight, I fight, I fight. It is slain, so 70 XP. The second of the two wolves, like its predecessor, vanishes, melding into the sea of fog that swirls around your waist. The mistwraith again levels its staff at you. Without a sound, a thick stream of grey mist erupts from the tip of this weapon and swiftly envelops you. You hold your breath and struggle to escape from the dense grey mist that's rapidly filling your corridor. You're picking a number. Bonus of 30. 20 from body, 10 from spirit. Success, 50 or more. Let's see what happens. 52. Success, but only dust. You manage to escape unscathed from the noxious crowd. One more, if one more atom of that fog had got into my nostrils, I would be in trouble. The dense mist that fills the passage rapidly dissipates, but the sea of white fog swirling about your mace quickly swells, rising until it nearly reaches your shoulders. Through this through this river of churning vapours floats the mistway, its ghastly form growing as it bears down on you. Realizing at once that escape is not an option, you bold, you boldly hold your ground, prepared to forever rid Castle Bailwood of the ghoulish menace of this long storm, its abandoned halls. I fight the mistwaif. At long last, yes, Mistwraith reaches out, out for you. No, oh, it's got a lot. It's got a lot of, of health, this one. Mistwraith loves its staff at you, and a great mist fills the passage. Reaches out to me. Yeah, this. Yeah, this is one of those foes that has a crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy amount of health. It's really ridiculous. You will not be able to defeat this one. Ooh, the mistway swipes at you with this vaporous staff. Now, okay, that's enough of fighting it for now. I'm going to flee. Can't fight when I'm fleeing. You just had a combat and swiftly retreat beyond the range of the mistway's deadly attack. You've barely had time to collect your thoughts and decide upon your next course of action. The sea of mist that fills the passage suddenly swells, and the sinister mist wave is once again upon you. Without a sound, the hideous wraith, creature of fog, rises out of the swirling mist that surrounds you and attacks. You boldly engage the mist wave, determined to vanquish the gruesome spectre that long roams the abandoned castle. Yeah, and Mist works it out. Now, this one, any damage you do to it sticks. So, if you can't defeat it in one combat, you can flee. You duck out of combat and swiftly retreat beyond the range of the Mistwraith's deadly attacks. Suddenly, a strange, rejuvenating sensation washes over you, leaving you momentarily breathless. I'm guessing it's that old man ghost. 
giving me the aid that he said he would give. You glanced just behind just in time to see the apparition of the elderly man you've encountered twice before, retreating into the gloom. Thank you. Thank you, old man. You've barely had time to collect your thoughts and decide upon your next course of action. When the sea of fog that fills the passage suddenly swells and the sinister midwife is again, once again, upon you. Yeah, you think, you think it being past midnight, people would be more quiet outside, but nope. Without a sound, a hideous wave, a creature of fog, rises out of the swirling mist that surrounds you and attacks. You boldly engage the mistwife, determined to vanquish the gruesome spectre that has long roams the abandoned castle. The mistwife strikes at you with its vaporous staff. Reaches out to me. The mistwife lows its staff at you, and a deep grey mist fills the passage. Yeah, just gonna keep. We're just gonna fight it lots. Lots and lots of fighting. Yep, and keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. Keep fighting some more and some more. Okay, that's that's enough. Enough of that. We duck out of combat and swiftly repeat, retreat beyond the range of the mistwave's deadly attacks. Suddenly, a strange rejuvenating sensation washes over you, leaving you momentarily breathless. 77 stamina points are restored. Yep, and it's the old man again, retreating into the gloom. Thank you, old man. You barely had time to collect your thoughts and decide upon your next course of action when the sea of fog that fills the past suddenly swells and the sinister mist wave is once again upon you. Without a sound, the hideous wave, a creature of fog, Rises out of the swirling mist that surrounds you and attacks. You boldly engage the mistwave, determined to vanquish the goose inspectors as long roamed the abandoned castle. Now, previously, a few months ago, there was a problem with combat like these where if you use magic at any point in the combat, you would in any point of any of the combats against it, your XP would be massively nerfed. Now, that's no longer an issue. Instead, you get a huge amount of experience to that magic. You feel weaker as your opponent drains energy from your body. Alright, I'm gonna keep keep on keep on keeping on keep on keeping on You gotta keep on keeping on Okay that oh train twelve energy I'm gonna retreat for now I get healed once more and I think you barely had time to collect your force and decide upon your next course of action. When the sea of fog that fills the passage suddenly swells and the sinister midwife is once again upon you. Without a sound, the hideous wave 
wraith, a creature of fog, rises out of the swirling mist that surrounds you and attacks. You boldly engage the mist wraith, determined to vanquish the gruesome spectre that does long roam the abandoned castle. Begin with the mist wraith. Yeah, as you say, now that now that it's got so little stamina left, every attack. It now takes a big chunk out of its health. And it's nearly gone. Nearly gone, nearly gone. Slain. Okay, so 120, 138 experience. From the combat, 2,048 experience to general. Without a sound. The mistway's fearsome form slowly dissipates, moaning to a sea of fog that's now swiftly retreating along the corridor. You step back and place one hand against the passage wall as you struggle to catch your breath in the wake of the portal melee. It's at that moment you realise you are not yet alone, lying in the middle of the corridor, several yards to the east, almost invisible beneath the thin veil of lingering mist that swirls across the floor. It's the moving body of a young man. You rush over to the body and are taken aback to find yourself staring down at the wide, dark eyes of a gaunt but living face. The young man manages a faint smile and tries to speak. It's a violent coughing fit of coughing suddenly robs him of his voice. That which brought ruin to our line is gone, he says, his voice regaining some of his strength. You sense he is near to death. My father, Umbrock, chose to fight the creature. It proved his ruin. In a moment of confusion and cowardice, I fled, sealing the fates of those I left behind and shattering a thousand-year-old legacy of honour. But I returned. It must be known. I returned. Immediately realise the old man lying before you is Umdral Baywood, son of Umbrek, and, and the last recorded steward of his family's legendary line, despite his gaunt, plasty appearance, and the two hundred years that have come and gone since the fateful events he's describing, Umdral seems not to have suffered the, the effects of the passage of time. With a weakening voice, Ormadril tells you he returns to the castle nearly a year after he fled, a company of men eager to reclaim the ancestral fortress, the evil that infested it. Learn that all fifteen men in his expedition were slain before they could enter the castle, that he ventured inside alone, seeking to confront the malevolent spirit that had slain his father. This creature is more powerful than I could possibly have imagined. It was a demon of fog and mist, the embodiment of the forest's creeping curse. A cruel act of revenge set upon our line by evil we had, for centuries, fought to turn back. I only wish it killed me. Umbrado tells you that the mist was consumed in, feeding off his magical power. Draining his will and unnaturally prolonging his life. I can now follow my father. 
are likely my son and my great forefathers into sleep. Thank you, dear friend. You offered help into his feet, but he slowly shakes his fez. My time is at last at its end, he says, his voice weakening. But there is something I must first ask of you. Omrajal produces a piece of ragged yellow paper and hands it to you. You take the paper and are surprised to find that it bears no writing or markings of any kind. A flake glow animates from the paper. It's a glowing letter. View. This glowing letter in the form of a string tied piece of tattered yellow paper was given to you by the spirit of Omrajal Bailwood. After you defeated his, his more sinister form in the mist-filled halls of Castle Bailwood. You must, must see that this finds its way into the hands of the Bailwood who next seek to inhabit this place. If indeed the line has survived. I have known nothing of the world beyond the, beyond the walls of the castle since that fateful day so long ago. But I had a son, so there remains a chance that all has not been lost or forgotten. Ongeron's lines suddenly widen as he spots the bellwood scene perched on his figure. So he holds up his left hand and displays a sinister. But you got off my line! You won't! You quickly shake your mane, explain to your dying maids the events that led up to your wife in the castle. You wholly told Ongeron about Alvnir and your planned instalment of Tornir to the next steward of Vogborough. He closes his eyes and manages a smile. And so, at last, alone and in silence, you witness the passing of Umdral Bellwood. Ugh, oh, finally. Go well. Go well. Go well, my friend. Go to wherever it is you hope you'll go. You, you were brave, eventually, and the line, others will carry it forward. This, the stewardship will be restored, and I will fight to ensure it is not severed again on my watch. This, I swear. Goodbye, Umdor Bellwood. For several moments, you stand at the end of the passage, just before the towering iron door, gazing down at the lifeless body from Joel Bearhood. His eyes remain closed. Even as, as death at last took hold of him, the, the, the trace of a smile still lingers on his gaunt, shrunken face. At last, having decided that you will leave this body where it lies, and eager to exit these gloomy corridors, you turn and step towards the iron door. The massive, untarnished, untarnished side of metal slowly and noisily retreats into the wall to your left, building a set of broad, steeply ascending stone steps. The stairs lead directly up to a hidden room adjacent to the great hall. You step out through the door concealed at the back. 
back of the hall's massive fireplace and promptly begin your trek out of the castle. The, swir the swirling bands of mist and rivers of fog that previously flowed through the corridors and galleries of the fortress have vanished. In their absence, the splendour of the castle, seemingly untouched by the ravages of time, is even more impressive! You pass through the outer bailey and leave the castle grounds, making your way carefully past the open gates and across the lowered drawbridge. When you reach the forest, you turn and gaze back upon the dark, imposing silhouette of the towering fortress. High above the sea of mist that blankets the rotting wood, stabbing defiantly through the persuasive gloom long ago settled on this cursed ground, is the golden, flickering light cast by the four beacons. After several minutes, you turn, and without looking back, make your way out of the forest. You, you return Twek to Twethic first, takes you first to Ashla, where, where you enjoy, for a while, the warmth of the Sage Law's fire and two flagons of a particularly hearty ale. Vajor, the tavern keep, seems especially talkative and takes to regaling you with several greatly exaggerated tales told to him by travellers who recently took lodging at his inn. You spend the night in Ashlar, and at dawn set out for Twithic, eager to find all in here, and announce the success of your mission. As you draw near through the porch, you begin to wonder if how you are able to locate the elder Bearwood. Then we is told you, you would know when the task was complete. You clearly recall the world of Older Bearwood. Older tells you that he and Turlia are hiding with a trusted ally in the vicinity of and they will know when the beacons of Castle Bailwood are aflame. The lighting of the last of the four beacons will lift a great weight from our hearts. Need only return to this city when your task is done. I thank you, Zoop, and I will pray for your safety and your success. Confidently, it won't be long before you once again encounter Olin, dear. You pass through the city gates and make your way to Blade Square. Upon entering the already bustling quadrangle, you spot the coach, uh, coach and driver from your first meeting with Laurentia. As you approach, the driver motions you to climb into the cabin. There, in the darkened interior of the coach, you once again find yourself face to face with Laurentia Bailwood. Before you said even a word, the elderly man smiles and congratulates you on the success of your mission. The coach rolls through the city, providing an idea with a detailed account of your adventure, including the lighting of the beacons, your encounters and battles with the Mistwave, and your subsequent meeting with Umbajor. And so he lived, said Aldor, his eyes wide, his bony hands clutching tightly his knees. No doubt the mistwave was, was all the more deadly a foe, having consumed Umdor's power. It's remarkable that you were able to defeat the spirit. A true testament to your well-earned reputation. I'm certain you do not require a praise, but you have done remarkably well, Soup. You hand Umdor the glowing letter that was given to you by Umdor, 
as he lay dying in the gloomy corridor beneath his ancestral home. His eyes widen as he takes hold of the wagged, yellowed piece of paper. Alright, right, yeah, I've lost it. Yep. I've lost. I'm no longer carrying a glowing letter. I'll see to. I'll see what is to, what is made of this. He says after studying the empty letter for several moments. It is, to vindicated, meant for the next steward. I, sh I shall see that Talia receives it. He's already begun to trek to the castle. The chosen company. Just be to thank you. He realizes that the settlement can hardly convey the enormity of her gratitude. Only tells you that the outfit of guards he hired in Nixville have gone with Delara's company and will serve as a valued, as valued members of court while she goes about the business of re-establishing the Bailwood's stewardship of Fogbar. My own tact precludes me from telling them so, but the mercenaries, I dare I use that term, that I cried in Nixville are certainly a capable lot. They're led by a woman by the name of Zayla, and there's not and there's a certain hoarseness about her. It's not vanity without warrant. Be difficult, I dare say, foolish to overlook her skill and her value as an ally. To settle the matter, my granddaughter displays a fondness for her. I only say that Talara keeps few close to her, and those she does can be deemed worthy of her trust. I know dear Toad asks you to repeat much of what you already told him. And he asks you to recall explicit details when you're able to about several things, particularly regarding an encounter with the Mistwake and Umdwell. Remains a dark chapter, he says at last. Despite the unexpected turn of events at its conclusion, still, I retain the hope that a brighter story will now unfold, that something better and stronger will emerge from the shadows of the past. I again thank you, Soup. The rekindling of the stewardship is only possible because of you. The, the older Bellwood tells you that word has been dispatched to Talonus, informing the king that the Bellwood will be imminently resuming the stewardship of Frogbar. Yes, and that's, that's great. That, that little line, that, just, that one paragraph just revealed how much world building is. It's not just added, here's these new people. He thought, wait a minute. You can't just, wait a minute. You're going to have to tell the king. You can't just plonk a, a large standing army in a king in a kingdom and expect the king not, not some sort of accommodation with the king. Yeah. And so... Also, by patching that, you know, there's not, there's, if there's going to be intrigue, it is not going to be intrigue between the Bellwood and the Crown. It's going to be intrigue between the Bellwood and the Sorcerer, the Sorceress and Galoris, Galoris and Woundskin, Galoris and the Grey Circle, the Grey, all of them and me, and Timnir and Galoris and Woundskim and Notorak and it's a mess, it's a mess. But it's not going to become more of a mess at least. 
His Majesty may need to consult with his sage to refresh himself on the particulars of it all. Zarad is smiling. The key is not as old as I am, and even I would need to consult the musty tomes on the finer points of the history of our long-interrupted stewardship. You speak at length with Oranir, and suddenly remember the two items he gave you at the outset of the mission. Hand him back the enchanted corpse and the balewood seal. Oh. oh, that's a pity. That's a nice item. Well, I'll just go re-equip the wing I had before. The dark wood wing. Alright, no. Neither of those will do you much good now, I suppose, he says, as he accepts the items. He slips the wing back onto his, fing his finger, places a torch across his knees. The coach rolls past the city gates and continues path continues towards the eastern sector of the Witherport. Arahir gazes out past the curtain that, that covers the window and then produces a leather pouch and promptly hands the object to you. I pray that you accept this with our profound gratitude, he says. Shiro insisted that you have it. I do hope that it will be of some use to you. You slowly loosen the strings and reach into the pouch, much as surprised the small leather bag is empty. Reach inside, says Aldir. Heed his instruction and reach down into the pouch. Only a moment later, your fingers will, fingers, you will draw your hand to find a dark, swirling mist entwined about your fingers. Mist has no substance, yet you are able to take hold of it and manipulate it almost as if it was a solid form. It is, a, it is an arcane craft, unique to my line, he says, his eyes fixed on the dark mist slivering through your fingers. It was nearly lost forever at the time of the breaking of the stewardship. Thankful to say that, as you can see, such is not the case. Taldio has adopted a master of the art. I dare say a proficiency in it far exceeds my own. Got a wisp of black mist. Alright, this strange item was given to you by order of Bailwood, on behalf of his daughter Talida. The mist, the mist will provide you with a bonus of your choosing from an array of bonuses. You may select, you may select to change the bonuses from a safe location. Ardia tells you to examine the mist closely when you have a chance. Being down in the mist and invoke its powers from a safe location. Of course, I'm certain that Shalara could extract a bit more from it for you. In fact, I know she she would enjoy the challenge and the opportunity to express her gratitude. You thank Warlinteer and, and tell him to also convey the set that set the sediment to Talania. Ardia again thank Warlinteer again thanks you. The coal rolls back into Grey Square. And tells you he will soon depart for Fogbor, eager to set foot for the first time in his long life in the halls of his ancestors, and to do what he can to help his granddaughter. You've given our line another chance, he says. When they return, I can promise you that we will strive to do our part. Fogbor's forever creeping curse has grown in scope and post during our absence, and now there are new perils. It's that sorceress to be confronted. One day, Zoop, 
the forest will be reclaimed and the curse that hangs over it will be lifted. Until then, you may rest assured that the beacons of Castle Bailwood will burn brightly and serve as a warning to all that the forest is not a haven for wickedness or a refuge for those of vile intent. The elder Bailwood leans forward and initiates a shoulder cross. You meet him in a gesture and tell him that you will visit the castle from time to time, and you hope to meet the new steward of Fogwar. You're always welcome, he says. Thank you again, Zoop. Wish you many blessings and safe travels wherever your next road takes you. You bid Lauren dear farewell and climb out of the coach. As you prepare to depart, he leans out of the door presses a black pouch into your hand before you can say anything. The door closes and the coach rolls out of Blaine Square, presumably bound for the city gates. Much to your surprise, the, per- the pouch contains a quantity of adventurer tokens. Sixteen of them. Woo! After pocketing the tokens, you linger about the quadrangle. Where really she? Scanning the incessant throng that moves through the square, attempting to determine if anyone is watching you. At last satisfied you are not the focus of, of undesired attention, you make your way slowly along the northern edge of the square. As you stroll past the buildings that flank the quadrangle, your thoughts turn to Woodbeer, the young mage who delivered you a timely warning in the border of Fogbore. Clearly recall the image of Woodbull that appeared in your mind as you struggled to escape from the shadowy lair beneath Castle Bearwood, and a voice that's barely above a whisper, all of his face, a vivid image foremost amongst your force, delivers an ominous warning. I am uncovered, friend, and I dare not use your name, though, though they already know of our meeting. Perhaps much else. Do not fail. It is you whom they fear. If I can escape this place, I will find you. They are coming. I must go there. The ache in your head promptly subsides, and your thoughts clear as the haunting image of Woodbeer. And the echo is eerie warning. Quick, swiftly fade. You pray for Woodbeer's safety and hope you'll one day again meet up with him. The sun nears its lofty perch. You turn and start down the eastern edge of Blaze Square, passing a cooperage and a group of men struggling to hoist up the back of a collapsed wagon. Normally, you might have stopped and offered the hand. Plenty hope you may may yet seem fit to provide and have to wait. Just for a little while. Moving past the scene, you focus on the small stone front Focusing your eyes on a small stone-fronted establishment, hopefully squashed between a crowded stable and a bustling warehouse, sending out of its three windows an open door, mingling with a crisp or early autumn air, and rapidly spreading on the gentle breeze now slowly crossing the square, is the alluring and unmistakable aroma of shimmering payload. Now, eight... 8,192 experienced to general. 2,048 experienced to all skills and powers. Whoa. (laughs) That's a lot. Now, 
to the city gates. This is the west. West, I can west here. Now, what about that wing of black wisp of black mist? I can examine it now. The strange item given to by Arlette Bernard on behalf of his granddaughter Naria. The mist will provide you with a bonus you're choosing from the way of bonuses. You must select change the bonus from a safe location. Select the mist bonus. You may select one of the bonuses from the list below. You can change your selection any time from, from a safe location. Okay, so it's two melee rating, three stamina points, three Neville Reserve, three agility, three might, three body, three mind, three spirit, three aura, and three luck. Which to choose? Which to choose? I'm going to go for melee rating. Yep, that's another two melee waiting. Now, theoretically, if I ever, say, had need of it, I could switch. I could switch my bonus around to something else. Like, if I was doing a, a scale scenario and melee waiting didn't matter, I could switch it to Neville Reserve. But I'll probably not. Because it would be another thing to do. But maybe. Maybe. Something to consider if you're doing one of those. Now. Anyhow. Now that's. Alright. Let's see. No more. So, wait, yep, I'm going to save once more. Oh, uh, one second left, save. And next time, we will return to Castle Bellwood and meet the new steward of, new steward of the, of Fogborough, of the Lion of the Bellwoods. And I have a feeling we'll get some sort of very, very nice prize for that. But anyway, and but this has been going on for long enough. It's two and a half hours now, so farewell, fellow adventurers. Until next time, well met. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.